The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Let's pray together. Precious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that as we sit here in this sacred space, as your family, you would give us the grace to hear the voice of your spirit speaking through your living word, that we might have an assurance, the confidence that you are near to us this morning, and that you have something to say very special and very important and very life-giving to each and every one of us no matter if we are in a high mountain or a low valley this morning, we pray for this grace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. In a small parable that we find in the chapter right before the one that we just read from in Mark's Gospel, we find Jesus teaching something about the kingdom of heaven that is quite striking. He says that the kingdom of heaven, it's like a man that goes out and casts his seed on the soil. And then he goes to bed at night. And when he wakes up, he finds that that seed has sprouted and has begun to grow. How? He does not know. In fact, he probably isn't too concerned with the particulars. He is just concerned about acting based upon what he hopes and expects will happen. Now, I have a question for you this morning, and, and, I, and I mean this question in all seriousness. When was the last time that you spent time playing pretend? Think about that. Like actual pretend, like you get down on the ground and you, you have you know, probably have props or something, and you get involved in a story, and you act as though whatever's in front of you that you're imagining is actually true. I have to admit that I have a slight advantage over many of you here in that regard, because I happen to have a three-year-old living in my house. And if you remember or know or are presently aware of the territory that comes with being around a three-year-old, you know that right now is the time where his make-believe world is just expanding by the week. There are all sorts of possibilities and characters and superpowers and things that I, I can't even begin to imagine where he heard or imagined being introduced into his time of play. And yet I am aware that each day that I get an invitation to enter into this world, 
usually comes by a simple request, Daddy, come play with me. Come play Legos. Come play superheroes. Although I always end up being the villain. I don't know what that means. Some of you that are in counseling and psychology could explain that to me later. But somebody's got to do that job, right? But what I acknowledge is that I have a choice on whether or not to engage in this time of play with him. I can simply say, no, I'm too busy, and just watch from afar. Or I could take the time to come down, get at his level, get a sense of this story that obviously makes sense, that is obviously real, and play as though what we expect and hope will happen during this time actually happens. Now, here's why I'm learning that I need to make more time for that in my life, and I invite you to consider if you're not already finding yourself in these moments regularly to make space for this in your own life. In fact, as I asked you a while ago to consider and think about when was the last time you found yourself in this, and you say to yourself, it's been more than a week, it's probably been too long. You see, pretend ushers us into a world of possibilities. It, it, it forces us to think about something that might not necessarily be true and accept it as if it were. Now, if you're good at pretend, if you're good at pretend play, you don't spend time asking yourself, how, how would that actually happen? I mean, does this actually make sense? And if you do that, let me tell you, you're not very good at playing pretend. You probably also go to fiction movies and say, no, that can't be real. Nobody likes to go to see a movie with people like that, so please stop that. No, when we get down and we enter into this world of possibilities of superpowers and endless resources and, and you're the fastest athlete and you always make the winning shot or drive in the winning run or you are winning all sorts of contests, there is no room for asking how. You simply, even for that moment in space and time, The only thing that's real, the only thing that matters is living and acting as though what you hope and expect will happen actually happens. The good guys always win. The problem, whatever it is, always gets resolved. And there's a sense of satisfaction knowing that there, for that moment, there was nothing to worry about, nothing to be afraid about. All we had to do was enter into that time and be present. 
When I think about the story that we just read in the Gospel of Mark, and I think about this woman that came to see Jesus, and I think about Jairus, the man who had a daughter that was practically on her deathbed at 12 years old. That's what I believe led them to come to see Jesus that day. Now, let's pay particular attention to their interaction with Jesus. Mark tells us that Jairus comes, runs out, and finds Jesus and falls at his feet. And he tells Jesus, my daughter is very ill. Will you come and lay your hands on her so that she might be well again and live? Now, I've got another question for you this morning. How did Jairus come up with that plan? The laying of the hands part, particularly. I mean, I I don't imagine Jesus was walking around the streets with the T-shirt that said, ask me about my laying of hands program. And I also can't imagine that Jairus was particularly concerned with with investigating what was the best course of action here. Is laying of hands enough? I mean, what does he put in his hands? Does he do like a a magic potion? Are we going to need reinforcements? I mean, this is serious. I don't think he was particularly concerned with the how. He simply went with Jesus, and he already had this plan. If you would just come and lay your hands on my daughter. I believe that Jairus had already been able to see a reality where what he hoped and expected would happen, actually happen, and all that he needed was Jesus to lay his hands on his daughter. Now, what about the woman? I mean, her plan makes less sense. She had figured that if she would just go and touch Jesus' garments. How did she come up with that? If I just go and touch the garments, the clothing of Jesus, that is all I need. And I know I will be healed. I can't imagine that she was very worried about whether her plan made sense either. I mean, I can't imagine that she was out on the streets following the crowd and trying to break through and so that she could touch Jesus, thinking, what if Jesus wore a different piece of clothing today? That was not what I had in mind. Heaven forbid that Jesus actually decided not to wear any clothing. What am I going to do? What if it doesn't work? No. You see, that woman had already been, she was already able to see a reality where she could come and hope 
and expect that something would happen if she, she, could, she could just get to Jesus and touch his clothes. That's all she needed. That's all that mattered. You know, we pray together often. And one of the prayers that we pray is the Lord's Prayer. So you know these words. If you heard them and you prayed them, the phrase that says, as it is in heaven. But who among us has ever been to heaven yet? I mean, if anybody has, it's y'all. Y'all are a little closer to the sky than we, we are down here. Looking at the choir. And if we haven't seen heaven, how can we possibly know what to look for that we might know how to live? Friends, this is why I believe that intentionally making room and space in our lives for good Sabbath rest that includes playfulness, that includes allowing our imagination to expand, that it includes regularly practicing in our lives seeing what is yet not true, as though it is already true, it's as though it is already real. That is why I believe it's important this morning. I've been reading a, a book that Pastor John gifted me called Sabbath by a professor named Dan Allender. And this is what he says that really has captured me and captured my imagination this week and really been feeling God pointing in a direction that where we are heading as a congregation as we learn to rest well together. He says this, the Sabbath is the day that we set aside to look at one another from the vantage point of eternity and then to operate in time in an actual hour or minute, as if it is true. When we take time to rest well, intentionally, where all that is required of that day is what makes us happy, what brings us delight, and so you don't fill your day with chores. You don't fill your day worrying about stuff. You just simply enjoy. You eat your favorite food. You go out and do the things that give you life. You surround yourself with the people that make you laugh. You get down with the little children and you play pretend. When we do that well, we're more likely to go around 
looking at people and looking at our situations and looking at our own lives and asking ourselves, how would this look like if this were already heaven? Imagine yourself getting up, waking up in the morning. You've got a bunch of stuff to do. You've got all sorts of challenges. But if you look at that from the vantage point of heaven, you get up with a pap in your step. You might be facing challenging situations in your health and your family and your workplace, wherever. But regularly practicing looking at the world from the vantage point of heaven in which there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no hardship, there is no brokenness. Sin has completely lost its power over us. It changes the way we do life and why it is important to take this intentional time of pausing and resting and and really looking at the possibilities well. Is that because if we don't do this, if we don't do this regularly, we're more apt to spend way too much time worrying about the how. We're more prone to spending way too much time worrying about the particulars. And that type of worry is the biggest enemy to the childlike faith that Jesus asked all of us to have. Remember when Jesus says that unless we become like these little children, it's going to be very hard for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. I believe that this is where that was going. Because when we practice playfulness and rest well, there's, no, there's not too much room for worry. There's not too much room for fear. There's not too much wor- room for worrying about all the particulars. Only getting up. going out to the streets so that we may find Jesus and touch him, that we might be healed again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.